Morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Good to see you this morning. Hello to everybody on live stream. In his presence, have you ever felt all at sea? Have you ever felt, ever felt that during the course of your life at any moment in time during your existence? When you can't get a grip of things, some people put it this phrase, I feel all over the place. Life is not ordered, it's chaotic. Or have you ever felt in a wilderness, as if you're going through a barren wilderness season in your life. It's dry, lifeless, joyless, unproductive, or you feel you could be more fruitful. You're not, you don't feel you're flourishing. Or have you ever felt in a dark place, in your mind or in your emotions? It's just a dark place, season right now in my life. It's difficult and dark. Well, I know that many people experience these things at some point in their life. And uh, under normal circumstances, this is very normal for people to experience. But even in these last COVID years, more people have felt these type of experiences more often. Being all at sea in a wilderness, in a dark place. And if that's you now or you have ever been in this place or feel like you're going into that such a place, i got great news. There's comfort and hope for you because God specializes in bringing order out of chaos, light out of barrenness, uh, life out of the uh, wilderness, light out of darkness. And he does this through the theme of our new Bible series that we're starting today, and it's his presence. When we look at the first recording of God and who he is and what he does and what he's like, right in the book of Genesis, which is called the book of beginnings, we see God introduced to us and his activity and his ways introduced to us. And the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, because that's what it means, the book of beginnings, is a very important book because it, it kind of sets the foundation or the blueprint or the template or the, gives us an insight into the way God is and the way he does stuff. And what he wants to do for us and why he does it. It's a very, very important book. And the first few chapters are very, very important. They're, they're the beginnings. In the beginning, they are setting the tone, the DNA of life and God and his relationship with us. And the first few lines are very important. And the opening words are really important. So... That's hugely significant for us to knowing God and his ways with us. And when we look at these few verses, the opening lines, we see him bringing light out of darkness and order out of chaos and life out of barrenness and wilderness. And so let's have a look at those few verses together as an illustration and as a launching pad into our series and then we'll explore a few things. Here it is, book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word heavens isn't like 
the universe or the outer universe or heaven where God lives. It actually means the sky, the blue stuff above you. And the earth actually doesn't mean in the Hebrew the globe, this round sort of thing in this solar system. It means the land which your feet are planted on right now. And so it says in the beginning God made the land and... He made the sky. So it's not actually talking about how we created the globe, the earth, the whole system. God's, God's beginning is, is here is talking about how God was going to create life on earth, this uninhabitable earth. Imagine like Mars or something, and God was going to create life on earth. It's not how Mars got there, but how God created life on Mars. That's, that's the starting place. And this, this bit here, now the next bit, now the earth, is basically taking us back into the beginning of God creating life on earth, that we could be a place of flourishing for human beings. So it says, now the earth, the land, was formless and empty. The Hebrew is chaos and waste, like a wilderness, uninhabitable, no life at all, just a chaotic waste of wilderness. And it says darkness was over the face of the deep. And so it's talking about the land, which is a chaotic waste. And darkness was over the face of the deep. That's talking about the seas, the waters. Unique word for the seas and the waters in, in the beginning there. The basic word means abyss, swirling destructive, the Hebrew word, nothing good can come out of this. It's not a good, it's a destructive, threatening phrase. It's the abyss. You think of that word when you think of abyss, don't you? Well, that's what the Hebrew means. Waters with over the, darkness over the face of these waters that was called the abyss. No life can come out of it. It's all destructive and dead. But then there's a shift in this creative account. We see, what do we see? We see the presence of God there. Now it says the spirit, the word Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. It means wind, breath, presence of God, the invisible presence of God. And the word actually is like, speaks of the breath or the wind and that's how it describes God's presence. Now the presence of God or the spirit of God, what was it? Hovering over the waters. But do you notice I've put this in blue here to, ch- to notice this as a change because in the Hebrew, the waters are not described as the abyss. Now the presence of God has turned up. No, it's a different Hebrew word. It's a neutral word, which, which means it has the potential to bring life. God has transformed and overcome and neutralized this chaotic abyss that is so destructive. And cannot produce life. And he made it, he's neutralized. In other words, out of waters you can have wells and springs and rivers and rain. And God's presence has made the difference that has brought the ability and the potential for life. God's presence. That's encouraging for you and me. That no matter what state you're in, no where our hearts are, no matter what's going on, no matter how destructive or difficult or overwhelmed or chaotic or helpless or dark, 
You may feel at any given moment in time in your life, your surroundings, your heart, your mind, no matter where the presence of God, the presence of God comes and makes the difference to bring order and life. Next slide, please. And then it says, and out of, and then it says, and God's out of his presence, he speaks, let there be light. Now the word of God, do you know what the word of God is? It's God's spirit activating. The Bible says the word of God is God breathed. It's, it's the breath of God. Ruach is breath. God breathed. And if you sometimes, have you noticed that sometimes when we're wearing these, what we call Brittany mics, you can sometimes hear a popping, can't you? Pop, pop, pop. Do you ever hear it sometimes on, if, on the sound? And sometimes it's because the mic is picking up not just the words, but the breath that is in the words. If you put your hand over your mouth, you can hear breath. And so out of God's spirit, out of his presence, he is now speaking and activating. He says, God, let there be light. And he separated out of his presence. His presence brought a separation from light and darkness. What does that mean? He's beginning to bring order. He's saying to the darkness, darkness, you will not dominate anymore, but there's going to be a boundary to you. You're not going to dominate. And he's bringing an order, preparing for life. And he called the, dark, the light day, and the darkness, uh, he called the light day. And um, that was his light. It was before the, the sun was created and day four, so this was his light and then God said to the land, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, trees, and bear fruits. And he separated the waters from the land. And he said, waters, you're not going to swallow it up any longer. And out of his presence, he brought order. Out of his presence, he brought light. Out of his presence, he actually brought vegetation, seed-bearing plants. He brought life. And so this is how God is introduced to us in the scriptures. The very first verses. A God whose presence brings order, life, light, flourishing, fruitfulness. This is a revelation of who God is and what God is like and what God firstly and foremostly does why? And why did he do all that? He did that for you. He did it so human beings could be created and enjoy that God-breathed life. When it says of Adam and Eve, he made them out of the clust. And what did he do? The, the dust of the ground. And what did he do? He breathed. There you go, spirit again. His spirit, he breathed. His life-giving breath, his spirit into them. And they became living beings. This is what God does. This is how God is introduced to us. It speaks of life from his presence. And because God speaks, we know he's a person. And because he's a person, we can know him. And we can know his life-giving presence. It says his presence hovered. He's like an incubator for life. He wants to hover over your life. He wants to move over your life. 
And out of the goodness of his presence comes blessing and life. And so, as we're exploring this season, this uh, series this season, we would do well to allow our hearts to be inspired and provoked and a thirst and a hunger to be cultivated within us to seek first the presence of God. And I want to encourage you to be praying in this season, even praying now as I'm speaking, oh God, would you by the breath of your word put a hunger in me to seek your presence that you may breathe life into me again. Ask for his presence. Ask that we may know his life, his renewal, his revival, even if our times are chaotic and disordered and dark and dry and barren. This is a tremendous message of hope for us that in the beginning, everything was dry and barren and dark. But God hovered over all of that and brought life. And that's what he wants to do for you and me continually. Now, I've been reading an account of the 1859 revival in Wales recently. And it started with people seeking the presence of God. That's how it started. And in the way the accounts is described, you would think, that even though it's like hundreds of years ago, it was so similar to today's scenario in which we live. You would think that they were describing our times. Let me read you a few extracts from the book. 18, this was about the 1857 they're talking about this. And then the revival came in 1859. What, it's in old-fashioned language, so you have to bear with me, but it's beautifully written. What eventful days are these in which we live? How full of action. Nothing seems to be at rest. Whether we turn our eyes to the political, to the scientific, or the intellectual, or the religious world, there is everywhere an uneasy travailing a spirit of unrest to be seen. The work of a century is crowded into a, into a year. Every new discovery in science is pressed into his service. The divine word is translated into nearly all language that is now multiplied to an unprecedented extent and with incredible, incredible rapidity, it's circulated throughout the globe. Now, anybody would think they were talking about our present times where the whole world is at rest. Politically, we've had all sorts of political leaders emerge that have been scratching our heads and causing us to have conversations over the dinner tables. We've had COVID where there's been such an unease and an uncertainty. Isn't there? It's, do you remember? It's just an unease and there's such an uncertainty and unease everywhere globally. Brexit. And they're talking about the word of God being circulated well with Zoom and Internet and online, now God's, the church suddenly has gone global, not just a few around the world, but nearly all the churches now. And the word of God is going around the world with such, what's it, what the words are, unprecedented rapidity. Anybody think they were describing today? So what did these people do in these uncertain, difficult times politically, Religiously, 
intellectually, philosophically, medically, science. What is this, all of this going on? What did they do? They sought the presence of God. They started to pray and they began to ask God by his presence to visit them. Here's an account. They started to pray together. The prayer meetings gradually increased in warmth and numbers during the months. This continued until it pleased the Lord to pour down his spirit, his presence, from on high as on the day of Pentecost. Then anxious inquirers came forward in dozens, some under strong emotions perceiving their lost state. Shortly they'd received relief by exercising faith in the merits of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At this time, it was advisable to hold prayer meetings daily. And the attendance continually increased for months and continues to this present time. Yea, chapels and other places of worship are now overcrowded. At the close of each meeting, new converts come forward daily. Numbers of these at present in our churches amount to several hundreds. The churches are generally doubled in number and new inquirers continually to come forward. The heavenly fire continues to burn and the flames are spread throughout the country at large. All religious denominations are united in prayer meetings and the descent, I love this phrase, the descent of the divine influence the influence of the Spirit that turned the abyss into the waters that brought life. The the influence of the divine Spirit amongst us is evident. How amazing. And here's how one of those prayer meetings is described. There was a beauty, a loveliness about the Holy Word in which we had never perceived before. New light seemed to be thrown upon it. It electrified us and caused us to weep with joy. The feeling became general. All present were under its influence. The hardest hearts were were forced to succumb. Under strange emotions, we sang and we sang the We repeated a hymn again and again. We could not leave it off. All the worship leaders are getting excited now. Every heart seemed to be inspired to continue. And the last two lines were sung for a full quarter of an hour. (laughs) Then the minister prayed such a prayer we had never before heard, heard uttered. We felt that we were communing with God. Our hearts were truly poured out in praise and supplication. We could have prayed all night, but at length the prayer meeting terminated and we were separated. But did we separate? Oh no. Everyone remained in their seat and kept silent and were there for a length of time under the most heavenly feelings Every heart was subdued. No one dared to speak except by tears. And we were afraid lest anyone should speak and put an end to the spell. (sighs) 
we were at a loss to know what course we should take to adopt. Feelings had been raised to such a high pitch. The difficulty was to know how to bring the service to a close and secure our separation without the divine influence departing. We were anxious that the impressions should continue. At length, the minister rose and slowly read several portions of the word of God. We then sang and afterwards prayed again. And then the meeting was carried on for four hours. (laughs) Some years ago, and some of us in the room will remember this, a team of us went to Romania to do a mission for a Romanian church up in Yash. And they'd been praying and praying for our visit, godly, humble people. And uh, we were staying at this particular accommodation, and there was a little place where we were invited to go to pray before we went on the mission. And we were going to go out on the streets and tell people about Jesus, and then we were going to have uh, evangelistic meetings in the evening. And so I never forget it. I think there was about 15 or 20 of us there. And we were just, we all were standing and some were sitting. And we said, let's pray and ask God to be with us before we go out on the mission. I remember Rob Bowen had his guitar. I can't remember what chord it was, but it looked, I, you know, let's say it was the chord of D or something. And we were there and he went, bring to strum the first song. And he went, bring, and that's all he did. And the presence of God fell. And in that moment, we experienced something of this, what I've just read. The presence of God fell. And in a moment, we were in tears. And some people fell on their knees. I just fell on my face. I wanted to get my, it was as if I wanted to get my head under the feet of Jesus. If I could climb under the floorboards, I would have. And nobody could pray or speak, just like it said, without tears. And we were in the most beautiful, beautiful, holy, exquisite presence of God that I had never experienced in a meeting before and we all felt it at the same time and every time somebody would say something or begin to sing something or pray or address God the presence of God would just come again and increase and we were there for a long time and I remember getting up from the floor and sitting on the chair and saying to the team, we've got to get out of here <laughs> and get on with the mission. So, I, so we just settled our hearts. And I said, so what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to pray and then we're going to go. And I, and I, I went, Father. And soon I said, Father, bang! The presence of God. Do you remember it, Matthew? <laughs> bang! The presence of God came again. And the thing is, you could not get out of the room and if you, unless you said nothing. If you were to sing, pray, amen, <laughs> if you addressed God at all, you just couldn't get out of the room. So the only way we could get out 
was to shut up and we got out. And in that moment, we saw blind people heal. It was amazing. You saw astonishing healings, didn't you? It was the first time you saw a major healing. And you were only about 14 or something like that, weren't you? The presence of God. He invites us to seek his presence. He invites us to know him intimately. He wants to hover over our lives like the Spirit hovered over the waters and changed everything to bring life and blessing. There's a wonderful account in the Old Testament of a man called Obed-Edom who knew the blessing of God just because his presence was there. The Ark of God, the Ark of Covenant, was three there in his home for a three-month period and it happened to be landed there, it just ended up there. I haven't got time to tell you how it got there. But because it was there, God blessed him. Now the Ark of God symbolizes the presence of God on earth. It's a box that God commanded Moses to make. In Exodus 25 it says, make an ark, place the cover on the top there, above the cover where the cherubim meet, these represent angels, I will meet with you and give all my commands for the Israelites. It was a, and it was known as a place of meeting where this ark was kept in, in a tent. The ark was a place where God's presence met with his people. It spoke to his people there. God guided his people. He blessed his people. And this ark ended up in Obed-Edom's house And it says, let me read it to you in Samuel 6. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Interesting, the Gittite. Not the Israelite, the Gittite. He was not a Hebrew. He was not an Israelite. He was a Gentile. He wasn't a part of the covenant of God's blessing upon Abraham and the Israelite community. He was outside of the blessings of God's presence given to Abraham. But the ark that represented God's people, God's presence amongst the covenanted people, that's why it's called the the ark of the covenant, the ark that was amongst the people of covenant, of God's blessing, the Israelites, ended up in a Gentile's house, the Gittite. And it says, the Gittite was blessed for three months. For one reason only, the presence of God was there. The waters of the abyss couldn't produce blessing and life. The barren, dry land, the pre-created condition couldn't possess life, but the spirit of God's presence produced something out of lifelessness. King David knew the power of God's presence, and he wanted more than anything to have the presence of God and the ark of God close. And in Psalm 132, speaking about this, he says, I will not enter my house or go to bed I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, 
a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. He prepared a place of God, a place for the ark of God, but really he was preparing a place in his own heart for the presence of God. He says he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who sought and pursued God's presence above everything else. And he knew his favor and blessing. And we can do the same. And we can know the same. And that's why God created from the land that was desolate and the seas of the abyss, life. That's why he did it. To put mankind on, those flour- on that flourishing life and to draw on the waters that nourish and refresh and renew. That's why he did it. And he is longing, longing to bring his presence to us in a greater manifestation. His presence is here, but he wants to reveal his presence to us in a greater way where the His breath and his life-giving presence renews and restores and reveals and revitalizes and flourishes and blesses and brings order and life into our lives by his Spirit. We have free access into his presence. He wants to hover and brood over your life. To bring flourishing out of barrenness, order out of chaos, light in our darkness. And so, in 2022, at the beginning of 22, as we're exploring this theme, to seek his presence, to seek him and his presence. The two are linked. To seek him and his personal presence. I want to encourage you to make it a year to seek the Lord and his presence and see what happens and what God will do for you, for us. And maybe even like in the 1859 revival, as they encountered the presence of God as the people of God, the people just came from everywhere. They were drawn by the presence of God. And a whole nation came to Christ. Let's stand and pray. Holy Father, we stand before you. Humble our hearts before you. Creator God, who brings light into our darkness, creates something out of nothing. We pray that you'll visit us with the power and the glory of your divine presence. Holy Spirit, come to us Visit us, pour out 
times of refreshing and renewal and life-giving presence. Put a thirst and a hunger within our hearts to seek you and your presence above all things. That we may live and move and have our being in you. And know your blessing and your life-giving power upon our lives. We praise, we dedicate this year to you and our lives to you right at the very beginning that this year will be a day or a year of your presence amongst us as your people. And we pray like we've just read in that account that the heavenly and divine influence shall remain. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.